Welcome to She Breathes, where on every podcast episode, we explore ways to breathe deeply and enjoy a more meaningful, high-frequency life. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining today. Um, We're in that period of time after Christmas, before New Year's, where we're coming down from all the hoopla of the holidays and sort of getting ready for the new year and thinking about what's to come. And every year I always love this time because it's just sort of no expectation and it's like a period of waiting, I guess, and just sort of, you know, cleaning up and thinking about the future. And I don't know, it's always sort of a muddy kind of week because, you know, the kids are out of school and trying to kind of figure out what are our plans. But at the same time, I always really enjoy it every year. And so... I thought this would be a great time. Instead of making it a New Year's adventure or something that I wanted to launch in 2023, I thought, hey, why not get a couple episodes out in 2022 of this new podcast? So um, this podcast called She Breathes is something I have been thinking about for a very long time. And I finally decided, why not just go for it? Why not just go for it and just see how it goes? And um, I really wanted a platform where I could share information and knowledge and inspiration to women um, it, with the goal of of our my listeners um, feeling inspired and working toward up-leveling, up-leveling their life and just um, leaning into the true versions of themselves. And so today is episode one. So thanks again for joining me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how I came to call it She Breathes. And basically, I have struggled with anxiety and just, you know, all the things that go along with anxiety, like overthinking, worrying, stressing about things I said, or worrying about things to come. And, um, I, I know a lot of women that, that struggle with those same thought patterns and same types of things. And so basically in college I had, um, I started getting a little bit of anxiety and then in graduate school, I experienced my first real panic attack and it was a really interesting incident because it was no big, shouldn't have been a big deal. It wasn't like I was publicly speaking at a huge forum or doing anything that seemed like it should have caused a panic attack. But basically, I was in a cohort of about 10 people in my graduate school program for school psychology. And we were all sitting at this big round table and our professor asked us to go one by one and share our topic or share a topic for an upcoming research paper um, we were about to start. And as, as, as it went around person by person, I got more and more nervous and anxious as it got closer to my turn. And I, my heart started racing, my chest flushed. It felt really sort of like an out of body experience. Like I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to lose control. I need to leave the room. But then I felt like I couldn't leave the room because that would have been embarrassing. So I just sat there and just sort of, you know, battled through the very, very uncomfortable feeling. And then when it came my turn, I felt embarrassed because my chest was flush and everybody else was like totally chill, like no big deal. And I'm over here like freaking out about nothing. And so I talked really fast to get over with and just basically just got through with it. And, you know, nobody even really noticed. I mean, I guess I seemed a little nervous or something, but no one mentioned it. No one talked about it. But for me, it was a very out of body experience and one that kind of um, initiated several decades of just uh, periodic panic attacks. You know, there, there was never any consistency with them. And 
I mean, I would go years without having one and then I would have several in a row and it was always just very random. And that made them even more, that made them, that made me fear them more because I didn't know when they would like happen or whatever. Um, and so in 2016, my mom passed away. And then the following year in 2017, um, I got a divorce. And so of course those two life events are two of the worst that no one wants to experience. And so I just went into this very, very dark place and um, I saw a therapist and that's, it's been years of healing and working through, you know, many, many emotions. Um, and one thing that I have learned is that breathing is everything. Um, sometimes when I start to feel anxious, if I can just get to a quiet place and really focus on my breath and just do this five minute series where I breathe in for five seconds, hold it at the top and then breathe out for five seconds and really focus on my breath and stop thinking about whatever it is that's getting me, my mind spiraling, then my nervous system can really just calm down. And, um, you know, we all have overactive, underactive, normal nervous systems. Mine can get a little overactive, especially if I'm overstimulated. I'm a person who really enjoys some predictability. So when things are thrown at me at the last minute or plans are changed or anything like that, I don't, my anxiety does not do well with that. I'm getting better at it because I also don't want to be super rigid, but, um, yeah, it's strange because when I was younger, I was super spontaneous and, and it's, it's as, as, you know, as I get older, I just feel like I like comfort and predictability and I don't really love like just when things get, go awry at the last minute. But anyway, so I decided that because this podcast is going to be on a realm of topics about things that you know are empowering and uplifting and inspiring and educational, that at the end of the day, all the things that I'm going to talk about basically help us breathe a little easier, um, whether that's actual breathing or metaphorical breathing, you know, things in life that make us feel really content and purposeful and calm. Um, all those things are, in a sense, breathing deeply. And so... Today, um, along with kind of giving you a little background on why I came, why I rose at the title She Breathes, I wanted to talk about nine things, nine quick little things that I have to have in my life to breathe deeply. Um, and so the first one is to find work, to find work that feels purposeful. I have been through a number of careers. Um, I'm 43 and I have been a school psychologist, a classroom teacher, a lead teacher, a curriculum coach. And then I've worked many years in digital sales and marketing and print journalism. Um, and what I found, and I'm a very restless spirit, so when I get really bored with a job, I literally cannot stay in it. Like, I just cannot do it. And so I have to pivot and find a career that feels purposeful at that time. And I've learned that different seasons in my life, things feel purposeful. And then later on, I just sort of grow out of them. Um, I also had a mom blog for many years, almost a decade, and it was really successful, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it was a nice little side hustle, and I kind of outgrew that as well. Um, after my mom passed away in the divorce, it just felt really uncomfortable getting on there and talking about, you know, like it was just basically impossible to get on there and talk about happy, happy, happy stuff because I was not happy, happy, so it was like just basically impossible to continue with that blog at the time. Um, but what I found in all those careers is that anything that has to do with a creative outlet feels really purposeful for me. And so somehow, um, I always found a way to be creative in whatever job I've had. And eventually I just started writing. Um, I started freelance writing and now I write and create content full time. And so whether that's, um, for magazines, I write a column in a newspaper every other week and I do some freelance marketing for some influencers and I have this podcast. I'm working on a couple of novels. I have one that I'm pitching to agents and then I have another one in the works. And so 
all of that stuff is a very creative and it took me a lot of years to find work that feels purposeful. Um, I know that everyone doesn't have the luxury to pivot in your career, but if you can just identify something that would feel, maybe you're already in a job that feels purposeful and that is amazing. If not, just identifying what would be purposeful is a, a great first step. Um, two, I have to get seven hours of sleep. You know, I have realized that when I have a lack of sleep, it is just, I am a beast and I cannot, like a bad beast, not like a beast where I'm being really productive, a beast like where I'm not pleasant to be around. And so for me, the magic number is seven hours. If I get less than seven hours, I'm just super irritable and like just groggy. Um, if I get more than seven hours, that's fine, but I don't really need more than that. And I just have decided to use those hours to do other things. But I think everybody kind of has this magic sweet spot of hours that they need to sleep. And we all need to figure out what makes us sleep deep more deeply. And for me, I have to have a super dark room. Um, I have to read before bed. So that kind of shuts my mind off and like puts my mind into an imaginary world instead of the actual world. And um, I light a diffuser every, I, I start a diffuser every night with some lavender, bergamot or something that's relaxing. And that's sort of my routine. I think, you know, rituals help calm our mind. And so whatever that is for you, I encourage you to do it. Um, number three, the third thing that helps me breathe more deeply is to exercise. Now, I love a good workout, and for me, those endorphins are paramount when it comes to just my mental health, but I know that everyone doesn't have time for like a hardcore workout, and so even something as simple as a walk, like a, a lunch, a walk at lunch, or walking your dog, or just getting outside and doing some movement, or even in the evening when everybody's kind of chilling out, you could um, just get on the floor and do like a stretch routine. Um, do some really deep stretches and just, you know, our bodies as humans were meant to move and a lot of us just stay still for way too long during the day. And so any kind of movement is huge and will make all aspects of your life feel a little easier. Um, for me, uh, number four is to limit or eliminate alcohol. I was introduced to this book called Quit Like a Woman and it was about um, just basically the havoc that alcohol wreaks on the female body and psyche. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's hard, like a lot of people can't do this sort of take it or leave it type thing when it comes to alcohol, you know, people get into a situation where it's like, they think they're drinking moderately, but that comes, but then that ends up being like two to three glasses of wine a night or having to have wine after I put the kids to bed, you know, or having to do this or that. And that is not, that's not good for our body. Um, so for me, I've learned that I basically just have to eliminate it or limit it significantly because it, it will, it will affect my sleep. It will affect my mood. And for me, it's just not worth it. And I think if you are one who's prone to having, to feeling like you need a drink to wind down or get through a hard experience that, um, if you just sort of face that experience or face the day without the alcohol, um, maybe find a different way to do that. You'll see that in the long run, it's actually more beneficial. Um, number five, eat healthy. I have been eating on a vegan diet for four months and if it's something you're thinking of, which I'm not saying people need to do this at all because it's not for everyone, but it's not as hard as I thought it would be. And it's just lots of vegetables, seeds, nuts, whole grain pastas, lots of fruits. And um, for me, it hasn't been very hard. I have a lot of cookbooks that have been really, really helpful and that are like my kitchen Bibles. I mean, they're open all the time. Um, I've learned a lot of tricks of the trade when it comes to veganism and is that a word veganism? I think so. But, um, but you know, two simple things that everyone can do is one, increase your water and two, uh, eliminate processed foods and sugars. If you just do those two things, you will feel a million times better. And so, um, again, eating healthy and just 
getting all that junk out of your diet because our bodies don't know what to do with it. So it basically just stores it in the liver and stores it in the fat cells. And it's just, it may taste good to your taste buds at the time, but it, but once it goes into your body, it has no idea what it's supposed to be doing with it. And so it just, it's just not good for us. Um, six is to establish a morning quiet time. Um, when I had, um, I, I'm in a blended family now with five kids. My boyfriend has three kids and I have two kids and I have two boys. And when they were little, sometimes I would wake up to them jumping on me and squealing and mommy, 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 wake up. And even though that was really cute, I quickly learned that that was not the way I wanted to ease into my day. And so, um, around that time I decided to be a better mom and to be kind of more, you know, cognitively at ease. I had to get up before them. So, I would get up about 45 minutes to an hour before I thought one of them would get up. And sometimes this would have to be like 5 o'clock, 4.45, because, you know, babies and toddlers get up really early. But I would go to bed early with the goal of getting up early because it was a game changer. I mean, I would get up in the quiet when it was still dark, and I would have some coffee. I would journal, meditate, and what I came to find out was that it wasn't only helpful as far as motherhood. It was also the time of day where I would get a lot of um, creative epiphanies or my intuition would speak to me. And so several of my really creative ideas in life spawned from those early morning hours. And because of that, I've stuck with it all these years. So I get up really early and I do a lot of my deep work early in the morning because I found that as soon as I step into the day and the world creeps in, it is really hard to kind of go back into that high focus, hyper focused flow mode. Um, And so if you work, you know, most people work out in the world. And if you work at like, you know, if you're a teacher or you work in an office space or whatever, um, it's probably especially important for you to get up early and kind of have some quiet time because there may be no other time during the day where you get some alone time with your thoughts. Um, so I really encourage you to do that. Seven relationships, you know, love your people, know your people. I mean, when my mom was still here on earth, I did not take that relationship for granted. We were very close and I am so glad that I that I knew that at the time, that I cherished that relationship. But when I lost her, it magnified all of my other relationships, you know, and it really helped me identify relationships that were not serving me. And it made me realize that I was giving a lot of time and energy and focus to relationships that weren't really serving me at all. And so I think that we have to um, identify those relationships and quietly step away and then really put all of our focus and love and energy into the relationships that are really meaningful and that really build us up. And that, you know, with the people that really support us and support our dreams and our goals. Um, and so number eight, number eight, oh, focus. Oh my gosh. One task at a time. I have so many tabs open in my life, not just on my computer, but in the actual world. And when I'm trying to focus on a bunch of things at one time, I just, my anxiety spikes and I start to just feel just like super agitated. I can't get anything done because, you know, I'm jumping from here to there. You know, creatively, I've got several projects going on. I've started this podcast. I've got the novels I'm working on. I'm doing marketing. I'm trying to check email. I'm trying to write a column. And when I start jumping around or if someone sends me a text and it like diverts my focus from one project to another, it is the worst feeling. It is just like, oh, I can't. Um, so I've had to put these systems in place. I have to put my phone away. I have to set timers and say, okay, for this next 30 minutes, I'm going to work on this one task. And the other thing I've started doing is I give each day a goal. So for me, um, 
it's like, okay, so this day I'm going to focus on the podcast primarily. You know, I'll take time to check email sometimes, you know, at some points during the day. But if my focus is the podcast, that's my main focus. And even if I get a phone call or an email or a text saying like, we need to focus on this other thing, then I'm like, nope, that's not my goal for the day. I have to, you know, stick with what I'm doing. Otherwise, nothing is going to get accomplished by the day's end. Um, I did this when I was teaching as well. So for instance, I would have a week where I focused highly on grading and then um, the next week I may focus on lesson planning because if I was trying to do everything at one time again I couldn't actually you know carry out anything to completion and that is the worst feeling and then lastly I have become really conscientious of my breathing so this kind of circles back around to the title of the podcast so the ninth thing that really helps me um, just stay focused and calm in life is actually watching my breath um when we get into this place where we're like you know we're talking fast or we're breathing really shallowly or we're just um you know just the quick breathing is not only bad for our lungs but also it's very unnerving for our nervous system and so when i start to feel you know frustrated or too many things are going on or i can't really focus um i just again i go inward and i go inward and i really focus on my breath and i'm conscientious of the way that it's going in and out and the rapidity of it and just make sure that I slow it down. And I've found that that has been huge over the last 10 years is to be conscientious of my breath. Um, and quickly going back to number nine with the focus on one thing at a time, this is important for life too. You know, when you're sitting down with your kids to read a book or watch a show with them or whatever, try not to be doing other things like um, scrolling through your phone or um, writing bills and stuff like that. I've found that if I just stop trying to multitask and do all those things at one time, then the moments are much more enjoyable and memorable. And then I don't walk away feeling guilty like, oh, well, I was sitting there with my kid, but I wasn't really focused because my mind was on this other thing. Um, so yeah. And so with all that being said, I, I've, I came to the title of She Breathes for this podcast. And it's just that you know, I love to teach. I miss teaching. I miss the part, the educational component, and the sharing of knowledge that comes along with teaching. So I wanted this, I want this podcast to be educational to my listeners. And I, you know, I hope you walk away from each episode learning something new or expanding your knowledge on something you're already interested in or aware of. And I plan to have guests occasionally. And I also welcome topic ideas, uh, suggestions from you all. And so I really hope again that you enjoy this post-Christmas, pre-New Year season. And I just encourage you to let it be a time of reflection and anticipation for what's to come in 2023. Thank you for joining me today. If you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We women are a fierce tribe and could all benefit from breathing more deeply. Take care.